think integrating should, yeah, it should mean it's both ways. I think it's you fitting in to uh, the society that you're in. So getting along with the people around you, but also still maintaining parts of yourself. Hello, everybody, and welcome to B Squared C, a podcast celebrating the stories of women of color in the corporate world. I am your host, Nancy, and I hope everyone is safe and sane wherever you're listening to this from. I hope you all got a chance to listen to uh, my bonus episode that I put out on Tuesday, explaining some changes coming to the pod. Long story short, we are switching from being a weekly to a bi-weekly podcast. This means you will hear one interview and one reflection episode from B Squared C podcast each month. I'm doing this to free up my time to start building the community space I intend B Squared C to be for black and badass corporate women to connect, inspire and support each other. Thank you again to everyone who continues to ride with me on this entrepreneurial journey and definitely stay tuned for more. Okay, so let's get into this week's badass, Swonging Kosi or Bongi Mataure. She is my fellow Zimbabwean sister whose tenure in the Netherlands is longer than my own. She moved here for the first time uh, going to college and decided to stay, actually, and is a badass engineer and amazing cook, by the way. In our conversation, Bongi and I um, really explored what belonging means as a foreign black person through her many experiences that include working in France um, and living in the Netherlands and also going to school here. I just loved the candor she shared her experiences with, and I'm inspired by how she's shaping her life as a fusion of cultures, actually. So both her, our native Zimbabwean culture as well as the Netherlands as her home. And this includes actually executing a startup idea that she had always had to bring her love of cooking to life and sharing her culture um, with others in the Netherlands. I would not give too much away. Have a listen to Bongi's story. Bongi, hi. Hey, Nancy. <laughs> what is this quieter voice? <laughs> is this like your podcast voice? <laughs> this is totally my podcast voice. Like I was actually practicing with one of my friends. Like, you know, that has to sound calm. You know, you sound wise and everyone is like, hmm. <laughs> I'm laughing because I know you personally. I'm like, girl, no, 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 no. On B squared C, we bring all the energy. Okay, <laughs> you do not have to censor yourself on here. <laughs> so you wanted to be more like, hey, Nancy, hey, girl. <laughs> I love it. No, bring all your energy. Bring all your energy. Um, welcome to B squared C. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Like I've listened to so many of your podcasts, and I'm just like, mm-hmm. when is my turn? Yes, it is your turn now. And you know I was coming for your story. You know it, right? Great. Okay, well, so let's start by introducing you to our audience today. Bongi, can you introduce yourself in three stories, anecdotes, or um, pivotal moments in your life that kind of have shaped you and can speak to who is Bongi? So I think for me, there's three pivotal moments right now in my life, definitely. The mm-hmm. first one 
being when I moved to the Netherlands. So that okay. was when I was 18, first mm-hmm. to study. Uh, the second moment was when I decided to stay. Mm-hmm. And I think one other recent uh, pivotal moment for me, uh, which has also been really great, is uh, me venturing into looking into a cater self-catering business. So, mm-hmm. you know, looking into going online and actually setting up a website and all of that because it's not something, yeah, I ever expected myself to be doing. <laughs> so you decided to become a side hustle queen. Yes. <laughs> I'm like all for side hustles. Hey, hey, I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay, so let's talk about you moving to the Netherlands when you were 18. How did you how did you get to the Netherlands? Um, so I think, yeah, just like everyone else, you know, you graduate high school and you're looking for somewhere to go for university. And I knew definitely I wanted to go abroad, somewhere abroad. And I started applying because I wanted to do engineering. Okay. And then I decided that, okay, I want to do something to do with aircraft engineering, aerospace mm. or aeronautical engineering. Okay. So that, of course, helped me to, yeah, have narrowed down my options. Mm-hmm. And when I did that, yeah, I think in terms of also cost, I mean, that's very important. Mm-hmm. Um, the Netherlands, yeah, came into the top uh, choices. Mm-hmm. And when I applied, yes, I got accepted and I got the position. My parents were in agreement and it was like, okay, off for this adventure. Yeah, and they let you and they let you go. I I, I captured where you said like everybody else. And I'm like, this is not everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> this this is not how everybody else kind of finishes high school and then and, and stuff like that, right? It's quite unique that you chose to to leave um your country, our country. So Sobongi and I are both from Zimbabwe. It's quite unique that you chose a country like the Netherlands, right? Most Zimbabweans choose other English-speaking countries. I went to America, yes, right. So I'm just very curious, like, how did you come up? Do you how did you come up with the Netherlands as an option? I think for me, um, having, of course, in high school, I studied French, and I just, yeah, I was always into languages. I think okay. even, yeah, just growing up with my dad when we travel, he always had this thing like we should always know how to say like hello, thank you, please, in that country's language. So I think I always was like, oh, it's nice to experience something else. So, of course, I started looking at France first because I had my background with the French French education. Mm -hmm. Um, But then, yeah, maybe I didn't exactly find schools that were within the price or what I was looking for. Mm -hmm. So I said, oh, let me look into other European countries. That's how it happened. And then, yeah, the Netherlands. And I think my mom had also been here a couple of times to Amsterdam for um, the HIV and AIDS that happened early. Mm -hmm. So then... So I was familiar with the country and she was like, oh, it's quite a nice place. So I think that helped to really <laughs> limit mm-hmm. my options was, okay, what country is France? Because that's what I knew at the time. And then, right. oh, my mom knows Netherlands and she says it's a good place. So, okay. Okay. So you broadened your search. So you wanted to study aerospace engineering. Yes. Is that it? Is that what you ended up studying? Um, I ended up doing aeronautical engineering. Oh. So the difference is that, that you don't study the space part. Okay. 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 Well, so walk us through your career then. Um, so from studying up to now, how did that all play out? Okay. So yes, I did um, Yeah, my four-year bachelor's degree. So at the university, I graduated in aeronautical engineering. Um, afterwards, it was, yeah, of course, you're trying to see like, do I want to continue with the master's study or... Do I want to start working? So that was, of course, a balance I had to make. Mm-hmm. But yeah, a master's study wasn't possible because it cost way more. And at the mo- that time, I didn't have the finances, nor could I find the scholarships. So I decided to start looking in the job market. But before that, at least during the time after I graduated, they were looking to kind of start up a tutor system at my university. 
they didn't have that before. And so they asked myself and two other uh, previous classmates to if we wanted to be tutors. So that came really at a nice time because it gave me an extra three months or four months in which I was going to be earning money and um, okay. I could still be looking for my actual job. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I did that for three, four months. It was quite interesting. <laughs> and then um, I continued yeah, looking for my job. How it actually happened is in, when we graduated on our graduation day, there would also be agencies. So here, uh, okay. the recruiters would mm-hmm. come to the universities and the people who were graduating, they would say, oh, do you want to sign up with us? And if we get any jobs, we'll let you know. So mm-hmm. I did sign up with one of them, Brunel. And so, yeah, I think they me up for a couple of interviews over the course of a couple of months. Um, I went to different companies and then eventually, yeah, I landed um, a good interview, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then I ended up getting the job at my current company, which is ASML. And I've been there for four years now. Mm -hmm. I've had two jobs there um, so far. So I first started off as a test engineer. Uh And then right now I'm now working as a production engineer. Okay. Very interesting. So another thing that's interesting about the job market in the Netherlands, from what I've observed, right, is this um, presence of agencies, Right. Yes. So Brunel is one of them. Randstad is probably the biggest one. And I had never experienced a job market that has where people are like, there's a large volume of contingent workers. Indeed. Yes. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're looking for jobs here, and I think in adjacent European countries, it is uh, interesting to look at those agencies. I know a lot of people who were brought over uh, by Yacht or Brunel or, or something like that. And the fact that people actually prefer it sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, the flexibility of uh, of being a contingent worker, getting to move different companies, and and also yes. things like that. Yeah, yeah, cool. Thanks for sharing that. Again, information that is just clutch, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> for folks listening out there and, and and thinking about like how does someone like you and me end up here? So I came with an the an actual company, um, and I, and I have a contract directly with my company. But you can also think about these agencies, and I'll put a few of them in the show notes, right? So folks can get a sense of what we're talking yes. about. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Great. All right. So then you talked about one of the significant moments of your life being deciding to stay in the Netherlands. How did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> For my third and fourth year internship. So every year the study I did was at the University of Applied Science. Mm-hmm. So they have quite a difference here between just normal universities. So there in your second, third and fourth year, you do. So in my third and fourth year of university, I did my internships in France. Okay. Um, so the first time when I went in my third year, I went to France and I had uh, my internship and I really liked it. Uh, probably mm-hmm. because yeah, I had friends, I made some other friends who were interns. It was just nice experience. So I have, of course, looked in my fourth year, like, oh, let me apply there again. Um, and also because, yeah, there was big companies, of course, like Airbus and, you know, you want to apply to those bigger companies. Mm-hmm. So then, yeah, then I did that. So I really enjoyed it. But afterwards now, of course, the question became, um, when I was asked after my fourth year internship, like, what are your plans for the future? Are you, were you just looking to do an internship or are you looking um, maybe to apply to something within the company you want to stay mm-hmm. or you want to go back to the Netherlands or to Zimbabwe? What are your plans? So that's the first time that I really thought about it. Like, oh, okay, I really have to think about this. Mm-hmm. So I then had to really do a trade-off because at that moment, of course, my prospect was more like I could uh, stay um, in France or I could come back to the Netherlands. 
Mm-hmm. So in the end, what really made me make a trade-off, to be honest, was the social aspect or mm-hmm. more feeling more at home or comfortable. So I think without realizing it, just in my four years of study, Netherlands had become a second home to me. Mm-hmm. And I think it took me coming back from my internship and, you know, I spent, you know, your last few graduation months to really realize that, yeah, I felt comfortable and I felt at home and I didn't feel any pressures, which I did feel in France. So that yeah. was quite an important decision because it could have gone any way. And yeah, looking at job prospects and all those kind of things. Right, right. Okay, okay. So let's talk about the pressures in France <laughs> that you're talking about. Tell us your experience that w- made you really decide, well, this is not quite the environment for me. I want to be somewhere else. So during my fourth year internship, I was working at yeah a, a big company. It was a global company, you know, with the headquarters in France. And mm-hmm. but of course, with subsidiaries in Germany, Spain, America, all over the world. And mm-hmm. uh, my team was very international. So the team I was working mm-hmm. with, with colleagues from Germany, from the UK, and we're all, yeah, it was quite international. And then already it was quite difficult just in day to day life if you don't speak French. I mean, mm-hmm. I speak basic French, but just the feeling that sometimes you want to ask a simple question. I always joke and say, like, is this a toilet? Mm-hmm. And the, someone will say, I don't, speak Eng- I don't speak English. I don't speak English, you know? Mm-hmm. And okay, that was already quite yeah, difficult because even just for me to open a bank account, I will really tell you I had a crazy time just trying to do that because right. I couldn't find someone who wanted to help me in English. Mm-hmm. So already those kind of things, I was like, okay, but I can work around that. You know, uh, I speak decent French. So then... Um, but then during the internship, so what happened is uh, at this company, like any company, at the end of the year, you send out a, a, like an annual statement or mm-hmm. uh, yeah, of how the company did during the year, you know, with the numbers or congratulating the employees and that sort of thing. So, right. of course, it was just sent from the headquarters and out to all the uh, locations in English. And OK, you read it. And then after a few moments, lots of emails start coming in from uh, the French colleagues like, I cannot understand this. I'm writing in English. I'm writing in French. I cannot understand this. Why is this in English? This should be in French. This is a French mm. company. And I was like, that really, I don't know. It made me feel like this is a really big company working mm-hmm. internationally. And it got to the point that the one of the higher senior management actually had to reply and say, um, people, can you please stop replying to all with this email? Like, this is not professional. So that <laughs> for me was... reply all saga. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I could imagine how it would make so many, as I'm saying, international employees feel because it was like this is an, a, 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 an annual statement to, for the whole company, including mm-hmm. all locations. So naturally, it should be in English because the locations are all over the world. Mm-hmm. But the fact that, yeah, people there felt like, well, you know, this should not be in English. It should be in French. And this is a French company. Yeah. I then also felt, yeah, you, you, you honestly, you don't feel as welcome, maybe because you're like, oh, OK. You know, I just thought I'm working for a global company. Right, 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 right. That is such an interesting experience. So it's so I think the big fight we are in, right, is about belonging. <laughs> right. And it's it's moments like this that seem very, um, they seem like small, something small, right? Yeah. But the, the weight that it puts on people who are not from that environment (laughs) um, is quite a lot. And that's what, uh, that's microaggressions, right? And you can't, uh, at some point, you might enjoy a lot of that for a while, but everyone gets some sort of like breaking point. (laughs) Yes. 
in that perspective. And uh, I like you sharing that because, well, I lived in Belgium for a year before this. Um, and my experience is, is that versus the Netherlands, right? The French well, are very unforgiving about their language. <laughs> True, true. Right, right. So tell us Definitely. some of your experiences with that. So how fluent are you in French right now? Um, so I would say, well, I did get an A2 certificate. Okay. But I would say, like, I my understanding, of course, is um, higher. But mm -hmm. even speaking, I can do daily things. Like, yeah, if I just need to ask a question, go shopping, ask about. Yeah, I can have, like, a daily small life. Small but of life course, conversation. If a, mm -hmm. a professional, then... I'm not at professional level, but yeah, small talk level. Probably can make it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So for me, it was that like, even if I, I, I tried at all to say anything, right? Uh, first, well, basically, um, sometimes with, uh, with French, you can, uh, the same, it looks like the same word, but it means entirely different things. <laughs> so some of, part of me understands when you are, when they correct you so much, right? But, uh, I also feel yes. like I can't even try at this point. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You lose your confidence. That's the feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes you feel like an outsider more than anything else. True, true. Yeah. Thinking about the experience of race in the Netherlands. So you've been here longer than me. You went to school here <laughs> and then everything yeah. about it. Um, what is your experience with race in the Netherlands? Okay. So I think I can even just start like from my first impressions was mm -hmm. when I moved here because I expected, yeah, I'm in Europe, it's really going to be all white people you know that's mm -hmm. oh, that's how you think but I think when I did because uh, I was in Delft that's where I studied it's a small mm -hmm. town in the Netherlands but I saw so many inter the, the first thing that caught me was I saw so many interracial couples okay. and I remember even mentioning it to my parents like oh I see a lot of especially with an Asian background but then of course if from the past Indonesia was um, a colony of um, the Netherlands so you then can expect that there's a lot of migration during that time. Mm -hmm. But even with the Caribbean, you know, there's also the Dutch Caribbean. So you also get then a lot of um, black people and that sort of thing. So I was like, oh, okay. So of course, as someone who landed, you're like, oh, I can see a few people who look like me. Okay, mm -hmm. that's that's nice. Um, but obviously, I think sometimes now because of that, that I compared to maybe other countries in Europe where here you can see a lot of interracial couples. You can also see maybe people from a lot of different cultures because a lot of people come here to stay. Mm -hmm. It then um, maybe also creates a safety net within the local people here that, oh, because when I look outside my window, I can see um, in five different people with five different nationalities or races, then it must mean that we're an inclusive country. Mm -hmm. We are an inclusive people. But right. it's actually the opposite that you'll experience is that maybe you get a lot more of um, uh, racial insensitive things happening because of that, that people are looking around and saying, if there are so many non-native Dutch people, it must mean that we are inclusive. So mm -hmm. they become comfortable with that. And so if you try and point out something that they have done wrong or said wrong, they won't accept it. Because mm -hmm. how can I have said that when every other person that I know is from, I don't know, Morocco or from Zimbabwe or from the USA or from China, yeah. I cannot say anything racist or so that's really my experience um, that I've seen. And that's right. quite hard, of course, to change. 
Yeah, so so denialism, right? That they could yes. be prejudiced uh, at all. I think that there is a, a study out there of um, that uh, the Dutch people think themselves very tolerant, like self yes. self uh, observed. I think they're very tolerant, but when they when it actually comes down to it, <laughs> they, exactly. they would test very poorly on on that. So it's very confrontational. It's very confrontational in in that sense. Good. Thanks for sharing that. Thanks for sharing that. All right. Well, so let's go to the fun topic of your side hustle, Wongi. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us how that idea came to be and uh, where are you taking this idea? Uh, so I've always had a passion yeah, for, for food, for cooking. I, I never seen cooking as a task. It's actually just something I actually like doing. So mm-hmm. I always laugh and say I can only order takeout maybe like one or two days. And afterwards, I'm just craving like a really nice cooked meal. Mm-hmm. And um, it was actually as well during my university. At the time when we made a joke with another friend of mine, uh, she's from Bulgaria, one of my close friends in university. She also used to like cooking. And sometimes we'd have friends over and because I did a engineering study, it was mostly guys. And you can imagine that they don't cook. They were always buying these, you know, uh, frozen meals or takeout. Mm -hmm. So when they would come to our place, it was always like, oh, it's so nice because you guys cook. And so then we made a joke one time, like we should start charging you guys like 10 euros. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And so, and so from there, so, okay, that's, then I just thought about it like, oh, but that could actually be something to think about in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, of course, it's something I never picked up until maybe in the last two years or so, uh, maybe mostly because of reflection. I just started saying, oh, okay, what else do I want to do besides mm-hmm. my main career? And then I looked into saying, oh, okay, let me look in how this would look if I decide to go into the self-catering. Mm-hmm. So I, the first thing I did, of course, was one of the things was to make an Instagram page where I just started posting meals. So with Afrozim, it's actually a combination of like um, Afri- um, Afrofusion. Mm-hmm. So the idea between like, yeah, having African food, but also fused with other food. And mm-hmm. then Zim from Zimbabwe. Yes. Yes. Afrozim. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm a fan and a customer already, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yes. First customer. <laughs> Yeah, really great. So what compelled you to want to share your culture like this? So I think it was mostly because, yeah, we did it throughout university. I had friends from different cultures. And for example, on their Easter, um, I had quite some friends from Eastern Europe and they celebrated it in a certain way. So we would do that. Friends from Denmark, friends from all different countries. So Mm -hmm. it was always a nice thing to just share food. And then the company I work at now as well is also international. Mm-hmm. So we have things like potlucks or where people um, share food and those kind of just cultural events. Mm-hmm. So even just among my friends, we do that as well we're from different countries. So we just cook food and that sort of thing. So I said, oh, but food is a nice way to to share about your culture, because if you think about it, whenever you travel somewhere, yeah. you're always curious about the food. It's the thing that you uh, always uh, it's one of the ex- one of the many ways of experiencing a culture. Right. Food. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so where are we taking this idea? What do you dream for it? So I think, yeah, I would dream to maybe like, I don't know, have a food truck mm-hmm. <laughs> and be going to like festivals 
you know, because I also just, yeah, I like to have fun and go to festival myself. So mm-hmm. then I could have my own food truck there at festival serving yeah, food. And I think our food is quite uh, filling. It's really good festival food. It yes. really soaks up all the beer. But. <laughs> <laughs> it lines your stomach quite nicely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Food trucks at festivals. And that means you need COVID to end for this to happen. Definitely. Like, yeah. <laughs> How are you doing on that front? COVID um, and everything. It's been a year now, right? <laughs> yeah. And actually, it's yeah, it's been... To think that it was a year ago when all of this started, it just seems like so long ago. Mm -hmm. But I think now I'm doing much better. I think when it first started, I think um, for me, it was more like, oh, you know, opportunity to work from home. Mm -hmm. You can be more relaxed or, you know, I I think I was thinking of all the fun aspects. Mm -hmm. But as time went on, I started to realize that I was also missing a bit of the schedule but it was also just being inside mm-hmm. this different news. It was just getting a bit stressful. And yeah, so I think towards especially the end of the year, I was getting close to maybe a burnout or just. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I started to miss having schedule. Mm-hmm. I started to miss um, yeah, being around people. You know, I think I took for granted just going to the office and seeing people every day. But also, yeah, you're just surrounded by just anxiety you know you don't know what's going to happen next with the news with regulations everything is just changing Mm -hmm. so I think more and more I started yeah getting a bit burnt out but also Mm -hmm. yeah with work working from home but just just trying to of course form my own schedule as well yeah so I think yeah that was quite a a struggle for last year but I think that also helped me to figure out more this year what I needed to be able to continue because it was quite evident that this was the pandemic was going to continue into this year. Yeah, I think it's going to go on for a while. So what are what are your maybe two practices for for mitigating um the negative effects of the pandemic that you are practicing right now? I think the main thing is um finding your balance. Okay. So for me it's that uh every morning I should do the same thing. Mm-hmm, so I, I wake up and then you know I have my cup of tea or if it's I wake up, I go to the gym, but you should have at least one consistent thing that you do. One consistent a routine. Yes, a routine. Mm-hmm. But even if it's not a full day routine, but you just have that one thing that, okay, every day, if it's that I take 10 minutes to read a book or, but just have that one thing that is yours. Mm-hmm. Okay. I love it. I love it. Wangi, you have been in the Netherlands now for how many years? And so this year in September will be nine years. <laughs> Do you feel like you have integrated into into the uh, society? And perhaps a better question, uh, where well, you can answer that one, but I, what I'm curious about is like, what are maybe three things that you enjoy about living in the Netherlands? Um, so I think the, I'll start with the integration question. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, of course, <laughs> integration is a very uh, interesting or sensitive topic because I think, Maybe the definition of integration could um, differ, but I think integrating should, yeah, it should mean it's both ways. I think it's you fitting in to uh, the society that you're in. So getting along with the people around you, but also still maintaining parts of yourself. Okay. So I think it's a balance and I think I've managed to do that. So of course with any place, people always say when in Rome, do as the Romans do, Mm -hmm. but not as, as basic as that, but you can look at it deeper to say that, of, of course, there are certain things that you'll have to maybe change or, um, 
yeah, compromise with just because they're done differently from what you're used to, but it's not harming anyone. If it's not harming you or the other people, then mm-hmm. I think it's okay. But it's also important for you to keep who you think you are. Um, so in my case, Zimbabwean, there's certain aspects of the culture that I love, mm-hmm. and then I can balance both. So I think okay. that's what's important for integration. Interesting. I love it. So three things that you enjoy three things. about living in the Netherlands. Three things I enjoy about living in the Netherlands. Number one for me would be simplicity. Uh-huh. I find people here are quite simple. So it's everything from, yeah, people use a bike. I mean, even the prime minister or the mayor's cycle to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, people don't bother buying super expensive cars, not because they can't, but because it's just cost too much and there's too much work to do on it. People, the secondhand industry, so like buying secondhand furniture or clothes is very big. There are shops mm-hmm. for that. People do it online. There's, yeah, people just live simply if it's cheap and I can get it. You know, not everyone. So you, of yeah. course, will have different classes of people. But in general, people are not looking to always have the latest, the newest thing. People just want yeah. to live life and it's simple and have fun. And I, and I must say, I love that you, you mentioned that because that clashed with my, me mentally, uh, I guess, with, as an American one and also as a Zimbabwean. Specifically, I just remember yes. a conversation with my parents telling them about like biking, right? And they're just like, are they poor? Why are they biking? Because <laughs> <laughs> where we come I from, right? People, buy, people with bicycles are poor because they can't afford a car. Yes. Yes. So weird. <laughs> Complete like mind shift for me, but I appreciate that sentiment, the, the simplicity of it and just the um unassuming like nature of life of waking up and doing your life here, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, that's a good one. Let's let's have another one. Uh the second one is I'll just call it work life balance. Uh-huh. So People here really value their uh, work as much as they value their private time. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you'll find in a lot of cases, it's not strange. I can give an example, like at work, um, there's a meeting that was supposed to be from 4.30 to 5.30 p.m. That's already quite late because mm-hmm. most people want to go home early to be with their families, have early dinners. But at 5.30, if the meeting still hasn't ended. Someone will not hesitate to say, hey, guys, I know this is an important meeting, but it's six o'clock. I have my tennis training, so I need to go. Mm. But I imagine that in a Zimbabwean or other setting, not only Zimbabwean, but in other countries, I can imagine that's quite strange to tell people that you want to leave an important meeting because you want to go for your sports. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. here that's normal that, yeah, people have a life outside of work. So I really find that balance. People really, when it's time to be on holiday, it's really time to be on holiday, be with your family, your friends. When it's time to leave work, that's it. And Mm -hmm. they have a perfect balance. Work, they're productive. And then in your family life, also productive. It's a great balance. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. Okay, number three. I think what I also really like about this country, I think I'm looking more now in the, yeah, there's lots of business opportunities. Mm -hmm. But I think even work opportunities so it's quite focused i think you can notice for like startups and for young people there's really an emphasis on that so recently mm-hmm. a friend of mine was um just bought a house and i remember thinking yeah at some point i should also look into having a mortgage and she's like oh do you know that in certain mis- municipalities quite a lot they're giving out um starter loans specifically for people who are buying their first house mm. or you see um the local municipality um giving out yeah grants for uh, startups okay 
we're giving out 5,000 euro grants for people. If you can give us your business plan and show that you want to start up. So there's a lot of um, opportunity to grow okay. in the country. So if you want to grow as an entrepreneur, but also in your career, there's quite a lot of opportunity. The Netherlands is quite, I think. Yeah. yeah so entrepreneurship is, is considered part of the Dutch DNA, right? True. I think so. I think so. Well, at least I experienced it at my company that uh, Philip started as like a, a small business, a family <laughs> coming yeah. together. And we we continue to to have that root of innovation, right? Uh, because you are kind of always thinking about how to solve problems in a new way. And yeah. the environment is, is conducive to that. And I would say big difference for me is what has this environment, what, what your second point about work-life balance and the third one have enabled my entrepreneurship because when I have the time and space, yeah. and then I also have like the support around me. So something like having your manager being okay with your side hustle. I think a lot of people don't have that. I don't exactly. think American culture necessarily, uh, work culture, corporate America really allows that too. Well, first off, you won't even have the time <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> cool, cool, great. Bongi, what is yes. your hype up song? My so a song that just song? like really gets you like energized when you're about to be out there. So actually, at the moment, I'm such a fan of Saudi Soul. Oh, and for me, the song is Susanna. There's just hey. something about it, like in the morning. <laughs> in the morning, if I'm cycling to work, I can just listen to it. And then even if it's like, okay, I'm really grumpy, I don't want to have to go to work. It just kind of like, okay, you know what? I don't care. I'm just listening to my song, and then I get to work so energized. Yes, I love it because you know I also love Saudi Soul. <laughs> So, so for those who are listening, Salty Soul is this African band, <laughs> boy band, actually, who yeah. are just like, ah, oh, they get my life, man. They get my life, man. But right? the song Susanna is, is kind of conflicting for me, I must say, Bongi. <laughs> Indeed, true. Because when you listen, listen to, to it, the you're just Let's like, to the why beat. are you hating on Susanna, though? You won't let Susanna live her best life, you know. Right. Over here being like, oh, I see you on the gram doing, I'm like, let <laughs> Susanna live her best damn life, okay? <laughs> but that is so true now that you say it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the bit, the bit is hot. The bit is hot. So I, I concur with you on, on that. That's um, on my forever hype up playlist, actually. Sure. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Uh, okay. If you could choose three words to describe yourself, why, what would they be and why? So I think three words that I would use to describe myself are ambitious, honest, and attentive. Mm. So I think ambitious because I, I really feel like I'm someone who knows what she wants mm -hmm. and I go for it. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. I, and then honest I always say um, that for me, what is the most important thing is honesty mm -hmm. because from there, everything falls into place. Right. So I think maybe a statement that links closely to honesty is uh, say what you mean and mean what you say. Mm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you'll find that I, yeah, I can never, I, I always sometimes maybe brutally honest, but I feel that that creates even respect. It creates everything else that comes from there. Is that um, you just so, becoming Dutch, though, <laughs> with the Dutch directness? I, I think it's 
it's actually the opposite way around that I think I was already a direct person and then I just happened to be like thrown into like people a society where people also direct and I'm like oh my people <laughs> you got here and you were like these are my people right <laughs> <laughs> I love it okay and then uh, attentive yeah and then attentive um I really think it's important yeah to listen to people mm-hmm. and I think that more stemmed but I don't think I was always someone was attentive because I talk a lot so I'm very talkative but as I grew up and I matured I started to realize how important it is to actually listen and not only just listen but to be attentive to other people and that's something that has been really important to me Mm -hmm. and that I really work on and try to do is that when I listen I'm really attentive and I hear what the other person is saying so I think listening and hearing is different I really want to hear what that other person is saying I like it all right, let's round off with um, words of advice. So what um, two or three pieces of advice would you have for other women of color out there? And for me, the big thing about you is being a woman in STEM, right? Yeah. Um, what advice would you have for other um, women of color out there in the corporate world? So I think for me, there are two main important pieces of advice. Mm-hmm. And the first one is, um, it's, it's basically a quote. So if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Mm, I love it. And I think that is so important because even on my bad days or the days when you're lazy to go to work, because I love what I do, it doesn't feel like work. Mm-hmm. So I think that's very important, definitely even in the STEM, because the work can become very routine. Things can become almost static at some points. But if you love what you're doing, you know what impact it's having on people and that sort of thing, you'll always be passionate about it. Right. Great. Another one? And the second one is, uh, again, a quote, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Mm. So if you don't try, you'll never know. Don't be afraid to take that risk and, you know, apply for that new position or um, change companies or, yeah, say I want to go out freelance. You Mm -hmm. don't, you won't know how it's going to go if you've never done it. Unless you so that's it. really important. I love it. I love it. Okay. Can we get one more? Uh, the last one. Yeah, I think most importantly, at the end of the day, be you. Be you. Be who you are. Don't change. Don't feel like you have to change. Mm-hmm. I have never done that. And everything from, if you want to look at from physical appearance to how you talk, how you um, respond to certain situations, I think it's important that you should not be made to feel like you're inadequate or you're exaggerating or any of those negative connotations. Right. Feel free to express yourself as you are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love it. Ah, I'm like, I'm going to write like post-it notes to put my around my house. <laughs> and be like, wake up and see like in my mirror, like nothing ventured, nothing. Right. <laughs> Bongi, this was such a very interesting uh, conversation. Thank you for sharing your experiences so candidly. Um, I'm sure there will be a lot uh, for our listeners who are listening from uh, here in the Netherlands, uh, but also outside uh, to get a sneak peek into how do people get here? Um, what are some of your core experiences? And I, I really enjoyed it. I hope you also has, had as much fun as I did. I did indeed. Uh, thank you very much. Like I really enjoyed uh, being here and I hope that I can inspire the people, other ladies, that we can do it. Yes, yes, we can do it. All right, thanks. And I will let you uh, have your day back. 
So that's it from me this week. Thank you to my wonderful guest, Bong Yi, for sharing her story on Biscuit Sing. I would love, love to hear your thoughts on this episode. So come over to the Biscuit C Instagram and LinkedIn page and share your thoughts with me. If you like what you heard, go ahead and give this podcast five stars wherever you're listening to it from. And don't forget to share it with your network. Lastly, you can also make a small donation to help keep this podcast going. You can buy me a coffee with the link in the show notes. In two weeks' time, I will be back with the reflection of some of the things Mongi and I talked about. Until then, I am your host, Nancy. Be safe, be empowered, and stay inspired.